You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. said on Sunday, we dealt with faith, okay? Having that faith must be in God. Praise the Lord. Faith must be in God. Mark eleven twenty two. Everybody, as human beings, we are creatures of faith. Whether it's faith in God or faith in science, there are some people that believe today's word now. There are some people that if you want them to make a decision, show them on, on Google. Just Google it and tell them, see it now, it's on Google. And they'll agree with you. What it means is that such a person, <laughs> why are some people laughing? Do I have many of them there? Is it such persons have faith in what is written in Google? Now, the same way you have that faith in what is written in Google, you can have that faith in what is written in the Word of God. You're designed to live by faith. Just know that. And anytime your faith is not in God, it's somewhere. Praise the Lord. You can have faith in symptoms. You know, the time I started, you know, loving this word of God is when I learned that, um, what's this condition that women have? Is it diabetes? Pregnancy induced diabetes. So, you're not diabetic, but because you're pregnant. Okay, so, what if your diabetes is uh, Buhari induced that will go in one week? Do you understand? It's simple. So, you're not diabetic, but because of pregnancy. So, if you follow the symptom, you will go in a particular line. You're not hypertensive, but because of something. Do you understand? What I'm trying to say is this. We are creatures of faith. At any point in time, you're believing something. Just know that. Now, it would be wise for you to believe your manufacturer. If I had a Mercedes-Benz car, I would doubt the roadside mechanic and trust Mercedes-Benz more. If they tell me, this car, this is nothing wrong with it, just drive on. If a roadside tells me, pull it over, let me overhaul the engine, who should I believe? Mercedes, why? Because they made the car. Now, God made you. He has in his word how you should live. Okay? We are creatures of faith. If anybody didn't get anything on Sunday, get it tonight. We are creatures of faith. At any point in time, you're believing in something. And that's why we took the experience of Adam and Eve. Adam was to believe God. Every time Adam and Eve saw that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they should have seen was death. But all of a sudden, Satan spoke to them. And when Eve looked at the tree, what she saw was a tree that will make someone wise. That's how men fall. Praise the Lord. Okay? So faith, we are always operating in faith. Whether you like it or not. So some persons will be in a situation, some people say, just have faith. Have you heard that statement from unbelievers, from everybody? They are correct. But what Jesus is saying here is what? Have faith in God. And I'm going to show us an illustration to capture that very well. Come with me to Luke chapter 8. Let, let's close up this from Sunday. Luke 8 from verse 22. 22, the Bible says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And the windstorm came on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, 
What did he say to them? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. What I want you to pick there is the question there, 25. What did he say to them? He didn't say to them, you don't have faith. Now, go back to the beginning of the story, the first line that we read. The first line we read said, On a certain day, Jesus got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, what did he say to them? Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Simple. If you understand faith in God, it means if he says that to me, I'm already on the other side. How I get there by air, by wind, by uh, bini, bini broom. You know the bini broom? Uh, by uh, Superman carpet, Aladdin carpet. <laughs> Praise God. He said to them what? Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they started going. Praise the Lord. That was the word. The next thing, he did that on purpose to teach us. You know, our Lord, we learned on Sunday that he's intentional. His miracles went for sure. They were for instructions. Okay? So, after this, the Bible says they launched out and he started sleeping. He did that on purpose. To know whether their faith will be in him. In the word he spoke. And we said on Sunday that God and his word are what? The same. You know, sometimes we get confused and say God and they are thinking is what? Like somebody said... Um, at that, Dr. Connors told us about a lady who was counseling. I was telling this is the proper thing to do. And the lady said she'll do the wrong thing, but will fast and pray so that God will change his mind. Okay, God and his word are the same. So when he fell asleep and the problem began, he says a windstorm came down on the lake and the, they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. What happened there was this. They thought, they began to think that Jesus needs to what? Get up and solve this problem. And besides, there is a real problem here. And they were suspecting, one of the translations says, Master, carry us thou that we perish. So based on what they were seeing, and these were fishermen. So they had heard stories or had seen other boats who, when this thing happened, they ended up perishing. Okay? Now, do you know that is fate on its own? So, because you say, if step one happens, step two, step three, then the next thing is what? Perish. So, that is faith. That is faith in experience. Faith in steps. If it does like this, does like this, does like this, this is what we, That is an expression of faith. But our Lord Jesus was trying to teach them that what I'm teaching you now is to hold on to my word. The Bible says, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. There is nothing that is in this world that can counter, that can stand against the spoken word. Praise the Lord. So he acted, I want to say he acted as if he was sleeping, you know. And they came to him and said, Master, Master, we are perishing. I can imagine the, you know, the hysteric in their voice and all of that and the panic. Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind, the raging of the water, and he ceased and there was calm. Then he said to them, note 25, he says, but... The boat was, ah. but he said to them, where is your faith? Praise God. Where is your faith? And this is not a question I'm asking my neighbor. This is a question I should be asking myself. Where is your faith? And if we probe well, we'll see that many times our faith is not in his word. So it's not a question of whether you have faith. It's where is your faith? And the Lord will help us that from tonight, our faith will be placed in God and his word alone in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Okay, I, I want us to do a bit of study so that we are in the mood of this season. Amen? And I want us to look at the account in Mark 14. I feel it's necessary. This is the week of the passion of the Christ. So we, we need to do as much as we can. So Mark 14 from 27 to the end. Mark 14, 27. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I'll not be. Jesus said to him, and shortly I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. Okay, let's take it in segments. Let's deal with this segment here. Peter was the most outspoken of the disciples. Peter was, you know, the unofficial head of the disciples, even at this time. No doubt Peter must have had some qualities about him that, you know, distinguished him from the rest of the boys. Praise the Lord. Many suspect that he was the oldest and um, he had demonstrated faith in God like none of them had. Peter is the only one at this point that had walked on water. Praise the Lord. It was Peter who, at the experience of a major miracle, left the breakthrough and followed Jesus. So Peter is a man that, um, you know, we, can, we should respect even at this time. But let's pick out something here. So we'll just take it in bits so in case we're not able to come. Jesus said, just from where we are learning the word of God, Jesus said to them, all of you, how many of them? All of you will be what? Missed to stumble because of me this night. Two things there. For it is what? Written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus said, all of you. Why? Because it is written. And because it's written, nothing can be done against it, isn't it? But Peter said, if all, Peter was saying, your word, me, I'm too much. Praise the Lord. And you know, what I sense here, what I see here, is that thing that happens to the believer when by the mercy of God, some privileges of God are extended to us, we begin to see ourselves as over the word of God. And this is a danger, especially for leaders, you know, for spiritual leaders and then people whom God has blessed. So you're in a church and you're submitting completely. You tremble at the word of God, but maybe you become very rich. All of a sudden, when they speak a word, you have to filter it through your prosperity. Your submission to the authority in the house begins to be, you know, because when you talk, are you talking to me or the boys? Are you talking to those of us that are supporting the work or those of us that are working the work? That's where Peter was there. That's why he could make that statement. He says, even if all. You see, anywhere the flesh manifests in the house of God, the devil is a flesh eater. Let me say, the devil is a flesh eater. It's like putting blood in the ocean. Shark will come. Are you with me? So even when you're quarreling with somebody as a Christian, don't allow flesh to come out. Somebody and I say, me, I will deal with you. Once you say that, even if the person is wrong, you have brought out flesh. And the devil, like a shark, will come for blood. So he made that statement out of some confidence that he had at that point. Because it's not easy to say, if we say nobody can get out of this door. I say, even if all of you cannot, me, I will. There is something, you know, there is something that is, uh, he will say, oh, we hear Kiobi. Do you understand? So we don't know what was carried over here. Okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then Jesus now 
went forth and said to him, Verily, verily, <laughs> that's not a place you want to be. As surely I say to you. So his own was now part of scripture. All of them had their own. Yeah? But his own was now became an object lesson. I surely I say to you that even this night, see how far his own went. Even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me how many? So the average denial is once, but your own, because you boasted, is times three. Say, may the Lord help me. <laughs> Amen. That's why the Bible says it's difficult for a rich man. It's difficult for a rich man. It's difficult for teachers. The Bible says many of you that want to be teachers, be careful. You want to answer pastor, pastor. You want to answer man of God, man of God. The exam is hard out. May the Lord help us. Okay. The next one, 32 to 42. Let's read that one. Then it says, Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Praise God. Okay, in this section that we are right now, I want to pick a few things. These are the events that happened this Wednesday night. In the, in the events of the Passion of the Week. Okay, these are the things that happened. They were at Gethsemane and Jesus said to them, you know, most of the disciples, and took three of them with him and said, please come and pray with me. Watch with me, pray with me. I want to start from the last part. Verse 42 says, at a point, Jesus said to them, rise, let us be going. At this point, he didn't ask them to pray again. Brothers and sisters, there is a time to pray. Let me hear you say, there is what? There is an appropriate time to pray. You know, when I, I remember many years you know, ago, before now, if I had one hour to preach, I'll probably take 15 minutes to pray in the auditorium. Do you understand? Lord, speak to somebody. Lord, touch somebody. Lord, do that. You see, the less of the prayer you had prayed over time, when the hour comes, you need to do catch up. Is someone hearing me? There is a time, there is a build up. Okay? You notice here, verse 41. Can you put 41 and 42 for us here? He says, Are you still sleeping? He says, Is enough? The hour has come. The Son of Man is being betrayed. One of the translations says, When the betrayer came, with he said, Let us go. He stopped praying. Now, the normal reaction is when we see the enemy. That's when we start shabaking. Isn't it? That's what we do. But you see, <laughs> there's a time to pray. Praise the Lord. And the time to pray, just like the, you know, in the natural scenario, a nation that does not train its soldiers for war in peacetime will not have soldiers in wartime. It's the same thing spiritually. 
If you use all your free time to watch movie, to watch Telemundo, to gist and to spend on free, it's not when an attack comes that you pray. At that time, you're in panic mode. Your faith is no longer there. You don't have weight on ground. Is someone hearing me? Now look at verse 32 of that text. Just go to 32. See the time to pray. He says, then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his, sit here while I pray. At this time, the enemy had not appeared. Praise God. The time to pray is peace time. It's so unfortunate that many believers don't catch this. So you're married and God is just good to you and all of that. Your children are doing well. You know, your business is going well. At that time, you don't sense the need for prayer. It's like somebody going desperately to a bank to ask them for money where he needs money. If you didn't deposit money where you had money, you'll be making a fool of yourself. That's the level where many Christians are praying. So that's why so many people don't respond to the call for prayer. Because they don't find a need for it. So you see somebody shaking his head in prayer meeting. He has problem. But unfortunately, that's the wrong time. Our Lord Jesus said to them before, long before. He said to them, let us pray, let us pray. Then 34, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even today. Stay here, watch with me. He continued praying. He made the prayer to the Father. He made it second time, made it third time. When the thing had come to the time of manifestation, he said, no need. I have one of the accounts that I would have loved to show you, but because of time. At this point, when he said to them, let us go, let's stop praying. You know what happened? That was when Peter pulled out the knife and cut off uh, uh, the, the Marcus's ear. You know why? Because when you don't fight the battle in the spirit, you fool yourself in the flesh. How can you use a knife, one, Peter, 12 of you, and fight against the entire battalion that was sent to arrest Jesus? The victory was to be won in the spirit. But because many times we fail, I pray you get to the level where you deal with things so much in the spirit that in the flesh you just be smiling. Praise the Lord. You'll just be smiling because you know you have what? You have it sorted out. Amen? Another thing I want us to pick from there is what did he pray? What was his request? 36 says, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. You know, sometimes when you're teaching people the truth, the balanced word of God, they interpret it as unbelief. They interpret it as this man doesn't have faith. You want someone that will come and fool you. Part of the things we learn from this um, Osinachi's unfortunate incident is that a lot of things will make big deal here, not big deals. You know, many people who come here think marriage, you know, I don't, I'm not always prophesying to you marriage. They are not attainments. They are assignments. And if people know the assignments, and you know that this assignment, the same way at a particular stage you drop some courses and you pick some courses, Abby, then you know that there are some things you shouldn't overburden yourself because it will affect your GPA. You cannot use because you want to marry and compromise your faith. You cannot use because you want to stay in marriage and compromise your faith. You cannot use because you want to have children and compromise your faith. A lot of believers are doing that. It doesn't make sense. It's an assignment, not an attainment. Nobody will say to you, well done that married and, you know, wife with children. It's well done that what? Good and faithful servant. And the servant what? It's stewardship is what they gave me, they will ask me for. Praise the Lord. So if you're married, they'll ask you, did you turn that man, you know, from being whatever it is to being a child of the kingdom? Did you turn those children? If you're not married, he's also going to ask you the one he gave you. Why am I going to take what he didn't give me? That's why I don't understand people who kill themselves for members. 
Many years ago, it was uh, Papa Johnson that said he's never seen a pastor who doesn't like members. He came to me for counseling. I didn't even remember. I advised him to relocate to the village. He was wondering. Every pastor wants more members. The Bible said I'll give an account of my membership. So if I take a member that God didn't give me, it means I'll be sustaining him with my own grace. And I'm not the head. The head is Christ. Imagine your body maintaining a part of you that the head is not connected by conduction, by Bluetooth, by infrared. I'll be managing it. No. People are killing themselves. So it says, Abba Father, what? All things are what? Possible. Child of God, if you catch this revelation tonight, your Christianity will change. There is nothing I, me as I'm talking to you, there is nothing I think is difficult for my God. Just talking about membership. I pray and sometimes, you know, I just imagine maybe I come today and then there's an overflow in the church. Maybe something will happen in Guagua. Maybe you do a manifestation, you know, lay hands and raise the dead in the office. And you ask them what happened. You say, the pastor taught us that. And they follow you and come here. I expect that, but it doesn't worry me. You know what? I know God can do it. Praise the Lord. All things are possible. That's what, Abba Father, what? All things are possible. But the fact that all things are possible for you does not mean I will ask you to do everything because I know you have a will. The foundation of prayer, the first level of prayer, our Father which art in heaven, what? Any prayer request that I'm making that is not hallowing his name is against him. Are you getting what I'm talking about? That's the first thing. Our Father which art in heaven. So with all your power, not my name, but your name. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's what it said. That's the attitude of prayer. Luke 11, 2, you can put it on the screen but quickly so we'll go back. It said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No prayer can, can cancel that out. It's the ground where we stand. So even if enemies, whatever it is, I will still say, Lord, thy word, kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what prayer is about. Because he's my father. I don't know if anyone here as a parent does not want the best for his child. So if God is your father, you see the whole thing ties up. Have faith in God. That he's your father. Somebody say he's my father. Somebody say I have a father who will never ever fail me. I have a father who will never ever fail me. Jesus is my father. He will never ever fail me. All things are possible. Believe that. So it's not being done. It's style. I've given us an illustration here. I'm wearing short sleeve. Mike, you're wearing short sleeve. Your fabric no reach to so long sleeve. I'm the one who told the tailor. I think this one may not have reached. But <laughs> I'm the one who told the tailor that this shirt, cut it off. It's short sleeve I want. Not that I don't have material. Do you understand? That God made you long. And made him short. It's not that God doesn't have material to make everybody six foot. It's design. All things are possible. Not that God cannot make all of us billionaires. It's not the, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that he will through us all reveal his glory. As I live, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. It's not making us all billionaires. That will mean that he's inanimate. He doesn't have style. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we have that as a lesson in prayer. Then we, we talked about time, best time to pray. First Thessalonians 5.17, best time to pray is when? Without ceasing. As long as you're living, you need to be praying. And more so when the Spirit of God, you know, reveals to you something. So that's what we see here. When the enemy came, when it came down to, you know, the rubber hitting the road, Jesus wasn't praying then. But that's when most of us begin to pray. 
when the trouble has fully, you know, unpacked and set the table. May the Lord deliver us in Jesus' name. May we proceed in wisdom in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, so it says, Luke 18 verse 1, in all that as well, it says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. So let's move quickly to verse 43 to 49. Let's read that one now. It says, and immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. This is the part telling us about Judas' betrayer. And you know, what I find interesting in this Judas's betrayal is that if you please, uh, in the same chapter, if you come back to verse 19, verse 18, Jesus, the Bible says, Now as the Satan ate, Jesus said, As surely I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? So it means Judas here said, Is it I? Praise God. So this betrayer was not accidental. It was premeditated. Okay? Is it a, And then he answered and said, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. Okay? The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. Praise God. I mean, what kind of man can this Judas be? That's what we say, right? Can I leave a statement here before we move? Let me be careful that I'm not a Judas. Our brother was sharing with us, I get connected, about Lot's wife. What didn't they do to help Lot's wife? Eh? Do you know how many things we know God said we shouldn't do? That we just do it with salt and pepper added. You know? Recently, some people have been telling us in church how people use Pastor Momichi to be talking, 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 talking. You're just using Pastor Momichi to be talking. Then you come down here and sit and say, God bless me through Pastor Momichi. Lord have mercy. Do you understand? But the, the consolation is that is where there is liberty that people can talk. So I'm happy that you can talk about me. And then I'm happy also that you're not saying I, I, I did any. I don't know what you're saying though. If you're saying something is wrong, it must be a lie because by the mercy of God, you know, I'm blameless. But how, how can you, which kind of strength do you have? Do you understand? Which kind of strength do you have? Jesus said, one of you. And Judas opened eye like this, like Pajimo. How many of us know Pajimo? Say, is it I? <laughs> and he was the one. You know, how many, of us, how many of us had had to investigate, you know, cases where two or three people are lying and you don't know who is telling the truth? I can't handle it. Because once I ask Mr. A, did you do it? He'll say no. Mr. B, did you do it? No. Mr. C, did it? Once all of them say no, I can't understand how they, they did it and they're saying no. That's, I can't put myself, I don't have that type of power. So I am just weak. In fact, sometimes I start thinking maybe I'm the one who did it. <laughs> you know, people are strong. You know, did you do this? No. Meanwhile, they did it. And you can, in your brain, see yourself doing it. 
that's Judas. Praise God. That's Judas. And he came and, you know, artfully discharged that thing. He betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss. But another thing I want to point there before we leave there quickly is that if in, in the account in Luke 22, Luke 22 verse 47 to 51, just put it, our Lord Jesus, because I pointed prayer, when you pray in the time you should pray, it helps you handle situation. Do you know what Jesus called Judas when he came to betray him? Friend. He said, friend, do you betray the son of man with a kiss? 47 to 51, so find the one that... Do you betray the son of man with a kiss? What it means, sir, is this. <laughs> you know, the Bible says of our Lord Jesus Christ, the prince of this world comes and what? Finds nothing in him. So even the fact that somebody is gossiping with you does not qualify you to become his enemy. He's, he may be your enemy, but you shouldn't be his enemy. He's a level. Do you understand? He may be seeing you as enemy. But Jesus didn't say, Judas, you betrayer. I curse him. He just said to him, friend, do you betray the son of man with a kiss? You know why? He had gone in the spirit. And the truth is that in the spirit, still holding on to the word of God, we're learning faith, right? You know what faith says? And we know that what? All things do what? Work together. For what? The good of those who love God and are called according. So my neutralizer to gossip is to love God and be pursuing his purpose. So gossip will work for my good. Any bad thing people try to do against will work for your good. That's why Jesus will call him friend. You know why? Because, if, in fact, the other day, the Lord was telling me. He said, you have to thank God for, if you have Judas, thank God. Where would we have found who would betray Jesus if Judas didn't agree? If they didn't betray him, will he be crucified? Say, better thank God for Judas. In fact, the way he put it to me, he said, he said, Judas was a success in his own agenda. But Jesus was a more success because of Judas. Because he betrayed him. Let, let me conclude this so nobody misses it. He betrayed him and then finally said, I have betrayed innocent blood. So it means let them do that to you, but let them see use their mouth and confess that you are innocent. The danger is when they accuse you and they have something to hold on to. So let them do all of that. But with their mouth, say this guy no do us anything. No. That's a level. Somebody say that's a level. So we pray and we can still call those who offend us or hurt us friend. Why? Because we have reached a height in the spirit. God will give us grace in Jesus' name. Okay, Luke 14, um, verse 50. Then they all forsook him and fled. 51. This one is a funny one, but I will just... Now a certain man followed him, having a linen cloth thrown around his naked body, and the young man laid hold of him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them, Naked. These are the people who said they will never leave their master. Eh? And we understand this person is John. John the beloved. Okay? Verse 53. says, And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. But Peter followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and all the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it this man testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. 
Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? It was then that Jesus responded. 62. Then Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Praise God. I want to pick out something here. This verse 62. Notice that when they were saying things that didn't add up, Jesus didn't speak. So the lesson for me here is this. Be careful with your words, no matter the situation where you are. Don't waste them. But at the same time, don't keep them from speaking what they should speak. You know, this man asked a question, 61. He says, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? If Jesus didn't answer, silence could mean anything. But when they put that question to him, what did he say? I am. So that at no point will it be said Jesus did not affirm who he was. But while they were saying other things, he didn't answer. This one, he answered and even went further and said, you will see the Son of Man, what? Sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Your testimony in the times of your trial is very key. Is it not in a legal, uh, in a natural situation that when a policeman arrests somebody, what does it do to him? You have a right to remain silent. Why? Because what? Everything you say. So if you want to say, say something that will work for you. Praise the Lord. So it means no more saying, I'm finished. You will not say that again in Jesus' name. No more threats with words that you don't mean. Do you understand? Don't let pressure bring out a word that you will not be proud of tomorrow. Amen? Don't say, I hate you when you love him. Eh? Amen? You can tell him, I... Amen? Don't say, I will never... The people say, never say never. Be careful. Because you see, the enemy is there. He's there p- picking facts, picking information to come back with. Our Lord Jesus didn't respond. But when he said, I hate the Christ, he spoke. Amen. Okay, the, the, the other lesson I, I want us to pick there is from verse 63 now. It says, then the high priest tore his clothes and said, what further need do we have of witnesses? So what do we see here? Indignation. You know, and you read some of these things. You just pray, Lord, may I never be guilty of unrighteous indignation. Do you understand? You can imagine what made this elderly man tear his clothes. That means he has caught this blasphemer. And yet he was wrong. Say, Lord, give me the spirit of humility. Give me the spirit of discernment. Do you understand? He tore his clothes. And then the next part that happened is this. He said, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. 65 then said, Then some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, to beat him, and to say to him, Prophesy. And the officers struck him with the palms of their hands. Brothers and sisters, at this point, my heart breaks. Because when we read this, I will say they. What Isaiah 53 tells us is that it was our sin that was beating him. It was my guilt that was being put upon him. Please, can we have that in Mark 14, 65? So give us any other translation. It says, then some of them began to spit at him. They blindfolded him and beat him with their fists. Prophesied to us, they jeered. And the guards slapped him as they took him away. This is my Lord. This is my Jesus that they were doing this to. And he was taking it because of me. 
He was taking it because of you. This was the beginning of the sorrows, the physical sorrows. He was buried. And in Luke 23, verse um, 26 to, let me see. He said something there. This, you know, it says, As I led him away, then certain of them, you know, laid hold of Simon a Syrian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore, and breasts which never nursed. Then they'll begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills cover us. But 31 is where I'm going. Let's read 31 together. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? You know the meaning of that proverb. If I, the son of God, sinless perfection at his height, had to take this punishment for sin. What of when a sinner has to take the punishment for sin? That's what they were saying. If this is done to the green wood, child of God, Christianity is not a joke. It's a great privilege. And I pray that we will catch revelation in the name of Jesus. It is not a joke. Jesus, at every point in time, trying to help us. So they beat him, they slapped him, you know, they kicked him, they spat on him. If you, you, saw, if you really saw an arm robber and they did that and you're normal, you even begin to have compassion on the arm robber. If you've ever witnessed such a scenario. But they did it to him. And not one of the persons there said mercy. Why? Because this was the Jew that was to be put on a man on whom sin was found. That's why we must plead with every man. Plead with every woman. Please be reconciled to God. Don't carry your sin and be walking about thinking you're okay. Sin is calling for judgment. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? It's death. God is angry with sinner every day. That's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus took that punishment. So that the anger of God against sin will be placed on the cross. Now if you're found and you have not also placed your own sin on the cross. Then you're saying put my own on me. May God give us boldness and compassion to share this message in Jesus name. I'll round up with verse 66. We are back in Mark 14. Verse uh, 66 to 72. And simply why I like to round up here is that in the power of God and in the wisdom of God, they gave us a record of how the whole thing rounded up for that night. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when he saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But what happened? He said, I neither know. All of a sudden he stopped understanding Hebrew. I neither know nor understand what you're saying. <laughs> and he went out on the porch and the rooster did what? Crowed. That's one. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, this is one of them. That's the kind of person you don't want to see when you're hiding. Eh? But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you're one of them for you're a Galilean and your speech shows it. At that point, Peter said, this thing is getting serious. Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man. Where was he born? What's his name? Eh? Who is he? I do not know this man of whom you speak. 72. A second time, the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him. 
before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. Brethren, the word of God will come to pass. The word of God will do what? Will certainly come to fulfillment. Peter saw it happen. And based on that, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter wrote to us. He says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. Brethren, Christianity is not a tale. It's not a fable. This thing will play out. Praise the Lord. Every promise of God we sang. All your, I like that part of the song. All your promises are yea and amen. Every of his promise, both the positive and the ones that are warnings, will do what? Will be yes and amen. You put your trust in him, you'll be saved. Praise the Lord. You call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. You're weak, he will give strength. But if you refuse, you'll meet judgment. Unnecessary judgment. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, whosoever, what a provision. The bandits can be saved. Boko Haram people can be saved. The people who did this train kidnap now can be saved. Whosoever, why? Because the punishment Jesus took is too much. There is no demand you make on that punishment that will say, ah, no, this person's done is too much. Brethren, we're privileged. Let's bow our heads as we just go to say thank you. Lord, I want to say thank you. And if you're here and maybe you, you never really understood it this way, then this might be the night where you say to him, Lord, I place the weight of my sin at the foot of the cross. Don't let me go from here carrying my sins with me. You have paid the price. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables. Please give me uh, NLT or, or the Living Bible. He said, well, we've not been telling you fairy tales. This is not fairy tale. This is reality. A day is going to come when we're going to line up. The Bible says, and the books will be open. And all the dead, both great and small, kings and servants, will line up. And the question will be, is your name in the book of life? Now, for most of us here, our names are there. But then what about the crowns? What about the rewards? What about the diverse things that God had told us about? Child of God, you and I have the privilege of knowing the end before the end. Lord, help me. We started by saying, I want to renew my faith. Lord Jesus, you're worthy of my worship. For me, I'm saying to him, thank you. I'm saying to him, thank you. You laid aside your majesty. You gave up everything for me. You suffered at the hands of those you have created. Lord, I come to say thank you. I really want to worship you, my Lord. You have won my heart and I'm yours. Forever and ever. What will you ask of me that I'll say is difficult? What is it that you did for me that wasn't more difficult? Lord, I thank you. In this season, I appreciate you. You didn't open your mouth to defend yourself so that I can open my mouth when I'm guilty and call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. The Bible says, even though the righteous man falls seven times, he will rise. Why? Because the sacrifice is still speaking. That taught us that every day we go, we can ask that the blood will cleanse. So even today, the mistakes I made today, the blood still cleanses me. 
And the songwriter says, after all these years, the blood still has miraculous powers. That is the Jesus I have. I will worship you. I really want to worship you from the depth of my heart. I don't know how I can do better. Spirit of God, help us. I I want us just to rededicate our lives. We've done that before. And if you've never done that before, you can do that today for the first time. Say, Lord Jesus, today I come to you. I put my faith in you. You died on the cross for me, Jesus. Forgive me my sins. Write my name in your book of life. From today, Jesus, I want to live for you. You are worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my devotion. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.